I have a story that is made in Russia. I don't think you like to hear any stories that come out of Russia now, but this is an old story of 1980 about a, a girl called So how she got converted and became a Catholic. So she says, from her childhood, she was a rebellious child, very rebellious child and a miserable person. She said she couldn't actually uh, bear the tyranny that was going on in Russia and also for the people who advocated it and people who were indifferent to it. So, Anastasia sought escape from all this cruel world by burying herself in reading books, so many books. So finally, she says she went to college to study. So there she distinguished herself as a brilliant student and a scholar. But instead of fitting in with other students, she associated herself with uh, the low life of Russian society, drug users, alcoholics, and prostitutes. While living a divided life, she became interested in Eastern mysticism, especially the practice of yoga. So she says one of her books on yoga suggested using the Lord's Prayer as a mantra. So now what is mantra? Mantra is a, a series of syllables and words that person repeats over and over doing yoga exercises. Normally it's in Sanskrit, but I'm not going to give you that uh, magical words. Maybe after mass, if you can ask me, I will tell you, you know. But for now, you can use our father. She says, the meaning of the Lord's Prayer began to sink into her slowly. She found it in an incredibly amazing and beautiful prayer. And so she began to read everything she could find on Christianity. The more she read about it, the more she was fascinated with Jesus. So she was a baptized person. Of course, like many people do, it's just a tradition, they get baptized, but not practicing at all. So at the age of 26, she was rebaptized in a Catholic church. And she made a beautiful confession at that time. So she says, I told the priest about my drunkenness, my sexual excesses, my abortions, my inability to love anyone. When the confession was over, she was completely, entirely a changed person. Jesus not only had forgiven her of all sins, but had touched her deeply in the process. Now, her encounter, Anastasia's encounter, and the encounter of women caught in adultery today uh, has based striking similarities, you know, resemblances. And what happened is in both cases, Jesus forgives these two women and changes their life completely. So both women were living lives that were going in the wrong direction. Both women encountered the forgiving Jesus and both women were transformed by that encounter. So the purpose of Lent is to take a close look at our lives, 
to determine if any part of them is going in the wrong direction. If we do find this to be the case, then we should seek out forgiving Jesus in the sacrament of reconciliation. Now let's come to the sacrament of reconciliation. I always hear these two questions people ask. I find myself confessing the same sins over and over. So why to go for confession? I find myself confessing the same sins over and over. Then why should I go for confession? Now, one way to look at the problem is to draw a comparison between our spiritual life and physical life. Because of our genes, each of us born with a certain physical weakness, like poor eyesight, maybe a bad teeth, etc., maybe allergies. So what we do is we go to doctor often. For example, for your tooth cleaning, you go to doctor every three months or six months. You have a couple of doctor's appointment per year. You know, so our spiritual health also same. Though we go for confession, we need to go over and over. So what happens in confession is. Uh, by forgiving, God actually put on you an armor to protect you more, some sort of insulation around you that you can be protected from the sins. Of course, you need to feel that armor around you. So therefore, we should not consider it unusual if you have to keep going back to confession, seeking forgiveness for failures related to our spiritual weakness. You know, somebody told, when you see the confession line is getting thin and thin. It shows that church is also shrinking. It is very much true. The second reason many people don't go to confession or reluctant to go to confession is that uh, uh, they say, we don't sin. I always say, Father, I don't have any sins. So that may be the reason a number of people, let me tell you, a lot of people confess not their sins, somebody else sins. <laughs> they confess their wife's sins or their son's sins or neighbor's sins. And sometimes they tell you half an hour sin story and then you're still wondering, what exactly is your sin? They confuse you. And some people are so good at uh, telling the wife's sin and give you a hint, Father, the next one coming in is my wife, you know. <laughs> Please don't do that, you know. We always, I get, next one is my wife. Okay, now I know, her sins already. <laughs> so, the problem is that, uh, as first letter to St. John says bluntly, if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. John 1.8. So, the problem is because we are insensitive to our spiritual weakness and failures. So, and also another reason is that we most worried about sins of commission rather than sins of omission. By sins of commission, we mean doing things we should not do. By sins of commission, we mean not doing things we should do. It comes as a surprise to some people to learn that the gospel lays most of its stress on sins of omission, not doing things we should do. So it is precisely the stress that we find in Jesus' teaching on the last judgment. Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 to 45. 
the king will say to those on his left, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. A stranger and you gave me no welcome. Naked and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison and you did not care for me. What you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. Matthew 25 from 41 to 45. So in brief, in to, just to summarize, Lent is a time when we take a close look at our lives to determine what part of them is going in a wrong direction. When we, and then we seek the forgiving Jesus and ask his healing and pardon. Amen. By the way, you probably saw it in the news bulletin, it's my jubilee, 25 years of uh, priesthood. So somebody asked me, how do you feel? I told her this morning I feel humbled very much. I feel blessed and I feel old enough, <laughs> you know. So that is, so 25 years ago, I have so many people to thank, my parents, my superiors, my rector and the staff in the seminary and my classmates and all the parishes I worked. And you have uh, so generously enriched my priesthood when you look back. Without you, I'm not a priest. None of the priests are priests without the people. So thank you so much, especially to Father Walsh and, uh, and the community of St. Margaret Mary for the last four years for bearing with me and uh, caring for me and accepting all the nonsense I do here, you know? <laughs> you know, one of the things if you ask me, what exactly look forward to hear from people? What do you think people say about you? You know, in the beginning I used to think, oh, okay, I should do some mega projects, build a big church. So then people will say nice about you. Not at all. I realize people say nice things about the priest when they are touched by them. And maybe examples, go and visit somebody at the hospital. Maybe at the time of grieving, the priest was there at your home, you know. And when you come with a problem, he was kind. These are the things that you remember. So I have recently received a few letters from, uh, I think, fifth, sixth, seventh graders. These letters are actually a million dollar worth. So I think I got six letters. I'm sure they also wrote to other priests. So I'm going to read out two letters and eventually, when I get a chance, I will read other four letters soon. So these are letters. You know, one thing about children, it is not sugar-coated. They come straight. They tell you exactly they feel. So thank you. Dear Father Shinoi, thank you for being our priest. You are my favorite priest. You always talk to me and my family. I enjoy listening to what you have to say. When our guinea pig was hurt, you prayed for it, and the next day, it was all better. I didn't know. I could go on and on about all the things you have done for us. From Gabby. Gabby is, I think, uh, Gabby Stingle. 
I think she's sixth or seventh grade. Another letter is, this is a most in, interesting letter. Dear Father Shinoi, you are my favorite priest. Because you always tell good stories. You are also the only one I confess my sins to because you feel the most down to earth. And this is something, he has given me a huge hope and also an assurance, support. He says, I believe that you will get your awesome hair back one day. <laughs> so, <laughs> and again, I will help you get revenge on that candle. So he thinks a candle burned my hair down, you know. <laughs> Sincerely, your bestie, Trey. So I think Trey is, I don't know whether Trey is here or either of the kids in the, in the church. So thank you very much. And I think we have a small celebration on the 15th of May. There's a photo, the one with the hair, when I was still young and good-looking many years ago. So.